Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your guest host for today, Jason Rosenbaum. Chris McDaniel is on assignment. Joining me in studio is Joe Manis and our very special guest, Sharon Quigley Carpenter. Thank you very much. Quigley Mania is it is <laughs> is, is, is inside the podcast room yeah, today. Yeah. Sharon Carpenter <laughs> is the former and perhaps future uh, recorder of deeds for the city of St. Louis. Held the job for 34 years before a bit of an op- upheaval a few weeks ago. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and how you got involved in politics, and your long-standing alliance, at least until recently, uh, with certain people who are from the and, 23rd And I must Ward. just say, as full disclosure, I did get my marriage license and record my deed in, in your office while you were in off. But, get, but tell us a little bit <laughs> yeah, about yourself. About yourself. Okay, native St. Louisan. Um, never lived anywhere but the 23rd Ward. <laughs> Totally boring in that which, respect. Which is in South St. Louis. Which is in Southwest St. Louis. It borders on St. Louis County. Uh, if you can find Ted Drews, you can find the 23rd. And um, How close do you live to Ted Drews? Oh, way too close. <laughs> it's uh, three blocks downhill. And where'd you go to high school? Went to Bishop DeBorg High School. Okay. Which is close to my house as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Steve Stinger went to Bishop DeBorg. Yeah, so. yeah. We're just going to have a Southwest St. Louis jamboree in here today. <laughs> the, and, you know, well, anyone who is anyone went to DeBorg High School. Um, How'd you get involved in politics? I, for some reason, maybe it's because uh, my folks and family talked about issues and politicians and that. Uh, but when I was really young and they first broadcasted a national convention, and the first one I saw was when JFK was... Um, 1960. Yeah, uh, uh, 56. 56 oh, because you're talking about when he was almost up for VP? Yes. yes. That was, that was, okay. that was uh, Adelaide E. Stevenson's second ill-fated. And I, and I remember right. that. I remember that one. I was four years old. No. That's the absolute <laughs> truth. I used to sit there and watch it with my dad. <laughs> well, I was a little older. I was about 10. And then my parents thought it was a little strange that a 10-year-old could be glued to a national convention the way I was. I was fascinated with Kennedy. And, um, and of course, my parents talked about things, so I knew about Stevenson and, and that nothing was unfamiliar. Um, by the time of the 1960 convention, I was enthralled. I mean, it was just like the best thing in the world to watch that. Um, by that time, I was a- active in um, Catholic youth, as well as uh, editing news- the newspaper at Berg, where we won many awards. And um, so it was kind of my thing. Um, you know, they talk about in the, the 60 Kennedy uh, race, about the jumping girls, you know, how along a parade route or something. Yeah, Kennedy and Nixon. And and that um, I was one of those, <laughs> and that carried the sign, and all of that kind of stuff. Now, now, when did you become the committee woman? I guess this was a time when committee people maybe had more power than they do now. They had a lot. Yes, of, they yes, had they an, do. They had an enormous amount of power. And the average age was mm, 55 to 60. Right. So you're looking at a 
21 going on 22 year yeah. old yeah that because when yeah yeah, because when i met you was about 10 years later and you were still the committee woman but you were um also the secretary or chief aide i'm not sure the administrative assistant not sure that to the to the president President of the board of of aldermen paul simon so uh (laughs) and who was always fighting with whoever who the mayor was, Jim Conway. Which is actually a pretty important position Extremely. within the legislative branch of, of city government. Oh, it is. I believe... Uh, so many interesting things happen. Yeah, I believe Gregory F.X. Daly had that position before after, yes. he became collector yeah, revenue for the was. universe. Yeah. So, so so you were like the gatekeeper. Yes. And, <laughs> and Simon was often making news. Mm-hmm. So Very if often. you wanted to see him, you had to go through Sharon Carpenter, right. who also was the 23rd board committee woman now this is before you became recorder of deeds you want to explain really 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 quickly how you ended up being a recorder of deeds well unfortunately my predecessor bill schultz was diagnosed with a brain tumor and it was immediately after he had found a federal grant and had just filed the initial paperwork that said the city of st louis recorder deeds wants to bid on this and when Hutt found out that he was ill, they were going to take St. Louis out of the running, but Jim Conway, as mayor, stepped in and said, what do you need from us? And they said they really needed someone with political background because it's, they understood it's a political office and they needed it to move forward without controversy. And so I got a call from Jim Conway, and I became the political representative. So then that meant that I was in on the grant from the very beginning. Uh, Bill was a good man with a wonderful wife and three children the same age as mine. Mm -hmm. And so during his illness, his children spent time with mine so that his wife had time with him. And when Bill died, I got the call on a Saturday morning, and you know, you knew he was going to die, but you, he's only 33 years old, and and that it was really... I remember this. It was awful. And so I'm sitting at the kitchen counter, and I'm pulling myself together, and I start 15 minutes later. I'm getting phone calls from people saying they want the job. I'm just horrified that, you know, this. but it's politics. It's the way it is. So on the day Bill was buried, and I spoke at his funeral, and that... Uh, Francis Arsley, the father of the mayor and my good friend and committeeman. The committeeman for the 23rd Ward. Yeah, and that uh, said to me, I need your uh, resume because I want to submit it to the governor. And I said, oh, Francis, I can't even think about that now. And just stopped. The next morning I went to work, and the first phone call I got was from uh, Bill Schultz's widow. Mm-hmm. And she said that uh, Francis had stopped by and said that I wouldn't turn in my resume and that the family on both sides had said that they wanted me to turn in the resume. So was was Teasdale still governor? Or had, yes, okay. Teasdale so, so, was so governor. So Bond had yet taken back over. Okay. No, it was Teasdale, and um, uh, I did turn in a resume, and... I was appointed, and at the time I was appointed, I'm thinking I'm leaving where the action is mm-hmm. in, in legislation I love, and I'm going to this 
what I perceive to be a very rote operation. Well, just before we get into the political machinations, yeah, ex- just yeah, explain, explain what, what the Recorder of Deeds does. Well, if you can remember this, if the recorder's not recording, mm. the assessor isn't assessing, mm. and the collector isn't collecting, mm. and the school system is upset. So if you can keep that in mind, we are <laughs> we are the base. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so all deeds? All deeds. Marriage and licenses? Marriage licenses. And um, about six years ago, we added birth and death records. Mm-hmm. We're the only recorder in the state that does it. But it was so hard for us to send people who would come in and they need for assorted reasons. They need their marriage license. They need a copy of their property, and they need a birth or death record. And we had to send them to North Grand to get that. And very often, these are people on public— That was the health department, That was the health department. And very often, these are people on public transportation. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, it's terrible when we could actually— all the necessary things that people need at crisis times in their lives could be located in one spot. Mm-hmm. So I went, talked to the staff in the mayor's office. They thought it was a good idea. Now, this was slice. So. Yes. Okay. And um, so we started the process with the Bureau of Vital Statistics with the state. And um, they finally approved, and it was moved here. And so... The end result was the city saved the money because there were eight people working in that department. And now they moved it to my office and gave me two people. Mm-hmm. And But my the staff of the recorder's office, they're not mine anymore, but they're still wonderful people. They are an amazing group. They learn quickly. They devote themselves to what they do. And... They clearly know the customer is always the person you're focused on. Now, before we get into why you're not recorder of deeds anymore, <laughs> we, I do want to talk about a decision that you made recently that made not only local news but national news. You decided to issue marriage licenses to four same-sex couples as a way to challenge the state's gay marriage ban. Yeah, and now the mayor performed the ceremonies. No. Correct? Or no. you had... It was in the mayor's office. Uh, in the mayor's office. It was in okay. the mayor's office. office. Right. There were other people who performed it, but you played a pretty key role because your office issued the licenses. It and, couldn't have happened. Yes. I, I, You know, they needed the licenses, so they needed someone in my position who was a believer. Right. So there's two questions here. Um, why did you decide to do that? Which, you know, I think a lot of people here were happy that you did that because they're generally more favorable to LGBT issues and rights. There were other people around the state who said you were flagrantly violating the state's constitution. And I guess the second question is, why Why now? Why not a few years ago? Um, so that's kind of the two-part question. Why did you do it and why now? Let's start with why now. When the United States Supreme Court made their ruling against the federal law saying that it violated the U.S. Constitution, which I agreed, (laughs) I agreed with the Supreme Court. I don't always, but, uh, you know, 
the, Constitu- the, the U.S. Constitution, the Missouri Constitution, constitutions are made to include people. Anytime you take the opportunity to take any group and segment them out and say, you're citizens, but you cannot do X, Y, and Z, what is the next group that gets to be segmented out? You know, once we play that game, and I believe that all along. And so when that ruling was made, I kept thinking, okay, I took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, laws of the state of Missouri and the city of St. Louis, priority being Constitution of the United States. And if the Supreme Court is saying that the federal law is in violation of the U.S. Constitution, that would mean the state law would be in violation of the U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a constitutional thing in the fact that anytime you take a group and you say these rights are not yours, now you can be a citizen to this point and then you cannot be, we're wrong. Mm -hmm. We did it with black people. We have done it at different times, and everyone said, oh, you know, looks back on it, oh, that was terrible. No, it was times. Times changed. It was right. And then right after that, really, there was no push. No one called me. I expected to get phone calls. Yes, so you didn't get, like, people calling furious? No, I didn't. And I was surprised. Yeah. Now, I want to just ask you this question before we, get again, get into why you're not recorder of deeds anymore. (laughs) Some people have said, probably your adversaries, that this was kind of a stunt to make you look good before your downfall. How do you respond to that? It was not a stunt. Mm -hmm. I I was a history social studies teacher Mm -hmm. in in the past, and I'm a believer, Mm -hmm. and always have been, and um, I... uh, this was something that was right to do. Take the issue. Don't let's not talk about uh, love, this or that, or any of the sentimental parts of it. Let's just go at the individuals who are citizens, mm-hmm. and they are being denied a right. And if you were that individual as a citizen, would that not be wrong? Mm-hmm. And as long as people are willing to put in constitutions things that deny rights to any group, you know, it could be green-eyed people the next time. You could pick the religion of your choice that someone didn't like. We can't do it, Hmm. and it's wrong. And so um, then PROMO, the organization, it talked to me about my feelings on it, and I told them what they were, that it was wrong to deny right, and would I be willing to do it? And I said, absolutely, because it was the right thing to do. Um, I uh, So actually from April on, I was prepared to go ahead, and it was a matter of the couples and the timing and and 
all of that. And so the decision was made. We did it in in June. And, and uh, the, the courts will decide whether they hold up. And that's it. right. And um, on the day I, I issued, um, I believe it was Indiana, mm-hmm. had just um, been told that their law was not was not acceptable. And the day after, Kentucky. So I'm thinking if conservatives like Indiana and Kentucky are saying the Constitution is something that opens doors, doesn't close doors, that I was hanging out with the right crowd. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of transition yeah, into... So, yeah, right. The one of the reasons you're here. So, okay, so you're a quarter of deeds. So this is, what, a week later, two weeks later, when everything sort of blows up? Oh, yeah. And now, the backdrop to this, uh, you and Mayor Slay go way back, and because I said you were the committee woman uh, in 23rd Ward. His dad was a committee man. He used to babysit for him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was also the alderman for many years. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, okay. And so, he always reminds me that his father never thought about him as... Because Nellene Joyce had passed away. Yeah. Right. And that I was the one. Jennifer Joyce's mother. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> they were all in the family. Yeah, that's right. So, okay, so that said, so when did you find out? Okay, now first, the backdrop here, you're, uh, one of your primary opponents had been raising questions mm-hmm. and sending out emails uh, mm-hmm. when about certain actions or alleged actions in your office by you. When did you discover that this was a a big problem, and then Mayor called you and said, "We got a problem here." Uh, well, it was, if I remember rightly, my opponent brought in the uh, formal request for investigation by the circuit attorney uh, to me. The day of or the day after I had issued the licenses, he had brought the question up. And and the question, of course, was um, nepotism. Mm -hmm. And um, I had hired my great nephew, who was a college student, for a summer job. Uh, It was per performance, and that means if you're not there, you don't get paid. And there's only one holiday during the summer, and that's 4th of July. You don't get paid for that. And he was paid at the same hourly rate as an entry-level clerk in in my office. And this was three summers? Two summers. Two summers, okay. Okay, and um, so uh, I first looked to see if any— other openings were in other offices, but I had called too late, and the summer jobs were taken. And then I looked at the nepotism law because he is my great nephew, and I read it, and it says, within the fourth degree of consanguinity, a word I think we ought to use more often. Yes, and that's a great I, word. I love it. I love it. I practice to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> it was hard work. But anyway, um, so I read the phrase within the fourth degree of consanguinity. And so within to me said that would be one, two, and three. And he was four. Okay. And so I believed 
that I was doing the right thing. So we never kept it a secret mm-hmm. or anything. Um, uh, everyone knew who he was, and I, um, since he doesn't look anything like most of my family, he's six foot seven and a blonde. <laughs> and that uh, I could have had him call me Mrs. Carpenter and tried to hide it, but you know, I really believed I was within the law. So nobody, like, I don't know if you have a staff attorney, but nobody, like, maybe raised questions that this not may be soul. not a good idea. Not a soul. They all, you know, they they looked at it and they said, "Well, yeah, within." Now, how long ago was this? Five years ago. Okay, okay. That, that's the other thing I want to make You know, sure. I've talked with some people who are not in politics about this, and I think in the grand scheme of things, they don't see this as, you know, a huge, huge deal. But there are also people who are like, you know, you're still hiring a member of your family to be right. part of your administration. And even if you misconstrued it, it still looks kind of questionable. How would you kind of the, answer that? First of all, because it was two months during the summer, you know, and it was per performance. There was no room for advancement <laughs> mm-hmm. or anything. Um, and uh, uh, he was doing work I needed done. Mm-hmm. And I had spoken with his supervisor and said, you know he's related to me. I know you're not going to want to do anything, but if he doesn't, follow the rules and do what he's supposed to, you just come to me because I don't have a problem hiring mm-hmm. relatives because I've never hired one. But anyway, um, uh, I can see where where people would think that it was not the best thing to do. I just, I read the law, it made sense to me it was a summer job. Um, there's a young lady in the office right now who's operating under the same thing. No relation to me or the current recorder or anyone, just a college student mm-hmm. who is actually doing work that we don't have time to get done. So when did – so who came to you first? I mean, just this last summer. Was it the what? mayor or who came to you and said, Sharon, there's a problem here? Or did Jennifer Joyce – yeah, who, who, well, who kind of came line, to you and said that you had to okay. resign? Uh, Jennifer Joyce. Nell and Joyce's daughter. So all right. these people are related this to 23rd is, Right, and this is someone who the last thing she wanted to do was tell me that probably after research that this was going to cost me my job. And and that, that uh, it's a law that's written so that it isn't like you get taken to court and you get to discuss it with right. anyone. It is a law that's written where the only penalty is to leave office. Right. And uh, if you want to pursue whether you're right or wrong, you can file suit or whatever. But, I don't know. But, but you still have to leave. You have to leave first. And, yeah. and so... Uh, so she called you first? Was she the first person who Well, I got the the notice from my opponent. Okay. And I he had three letters in his hand, so I presumed one was for her and one would be for the mayor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and that presumption was right. So Jennifer called me a couple of days later. Uh one of her staff people had been looking into it and um you know, she said uh 
she was, of course, she was wonderful because she said, you know, I understand what you're reading, but we're still looking at that fourth degree right. as being the dominant factor here. Right. And um, so I made plans to leave, but then I was told that it was being sent over to the police department for an official and away from Jennifer investigation. Okay. And that Jennifer having a relationship with right. me, right. Would, it would be wrong. You and know. then you decided to resign. Yeah. You still ran in the did, primary. Well, did, oh, yeah, well the, did the mayor call you? I mean, it's my understanding that the mayor called you, though, too. Right. I, the mayor called me in for a meeting. And he said... Uh, so this is, what, two days before you stepped down? Yes, this was okay. on a Wednesday, Wednesday, and I left on Friday. Correct, okay. And he said, uh, Sharon, this is really pretty bad. And I said, I understand. And um, he um, he said that he wanted... He was concerned about the office mm-hmm. and protecting it. And that his advisors suggested there was a chance that I would not win in the general election okay. because so, of yeah, this. Because you were already in the primary ballot. You cannot be taken off, and the mm-hmm. mayor previously endorsed you. I mean, that's just a backdrop. Continue. Right. And he said he would continue to be with me during the primary, but he felt it was important to have somebody else mm-hmm. as backup. Right. And— after you resigned, he repoint, appointed Alderwoman Jennifer Florida. But uh, but he'd already had he already talked to Jennifer Florida when he talked to you. It's my understanding that yeah, that, that yeah, he had. I found out because when I left the meeting, Jennifer was had called me and I met with her at five o'clock the same day. Okay, and that and she said she had met with the mayor in the morning, and at that time she had not made a decision. No, okay. and that she was really open, and and that. Uh, uh, and that's where the rumors started, mm-hmm. because um, Jennifer said she was told, and she did not tell me who told her, so, and I didn't ask, um, that I would be willing to support her in the general election. If she ran as an independent. And, and running as an independent. And I said, Jennifer, this has nothing to do with you or any other person. I've been a Democrat all my life. Right. There's no way I could support an independent. Now, yeah. So I want to go through a couple of things that have come out since your resignation that that people have said. And one thing from particularly people within the black political community, they've made an argument that the perception and coverage of your resignation has been taken differently from black politicians who have been forced to resign and that there's been a double standard of coverage. I'm sure you've heard that. How do you kind of make of that that type of argumentation? Well, first of all, my resignation is precipitated by something that's civil. Mm-hmm. And some of the other resignations were precipitated by, by other crim- things, yeah. criminal or, or supposedly. You know, I'm not going to make judgments. Um, I think that the Recorder of Deeds office is far, so far down on the list of everyone's uh, to-dos, you know, you know, things that happen in bigger offices get more notoriety. I mean, it's just the way, the way it is. 
Um, I, I don't know that I'd been treated any better because during the primary, uh, some newspapers reported my opposition's um, challenges to me, about me, as though they were truth and never talked to me. Yeah, let's talk about a little about that. You've been accused of smoking in your office. <laughs> You've been accused of using your, your staff and your material for campaign purposes. You've been accused of not showing up for work. Um, this was all kind of precipitating a letter by, I think, a current employee who is now also the seventh ward committee woman. And they, I read that, and I thought those were pretty serious allegations, especially the using staff and materials for campaign use. I'd like you to respond to that. I never use staff and materials for campaign use. Um, I had someone who volunteered to do my political activity. And that individual, for I bought a computer and printer and the paper and the programs and everything deep to be put in their home mm -hmm. so that we would not do that. Um, I, over the years, my political involvement has lessened. I'm interested, I'm there to talk to people, but I'm not making decisions. I have one fundraiser a year. I do not have a union bug in my office. Mm -hmm. Everything is done outside of the office. Smoking in the office. Yeah, is that true? Well, bottom line is I keep my office door open almost all the time and employees can stop in or the public or whatever. What I found in the last several months was that if I had to get something done and I closed the doors, like I was working on the budget and didn't want to be interrupted or doing some personnel things and didn't want to be interrupted, every time my office doors were closed, the health department was called and told that I was smoking in the office. Mm -hmm. And so then the health department would come down and inspect and have to leave. <laughs> so, the, so, 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 you know... So yes, it was no. perception. No. No. Okay. So you're saying no, you weren't. It's just that who was calling your opponent or somebody in the office or what? I'm sure it was someone in the office who would know that my door was closed. What about you know? what about the other allegation that you didn't show up to work every day and you were putting down mileage saying that you did? Was that a was that a particular accusation? Uh, I may well, be conflating some what? things there. <laughs> I may have to cut that part. No. Off. Now, he, first of all, there's no law that gives me like eight to five hours or mm, anything correct. like that because my hours can be over weekends and things like correct. that. Mm. Uh, secondly, in the last three years, um, unfortunately, I've had three surgeries. Right. They've all been minor, you know, they've all been minor, but they kept me out of the office. Mm -hmm. uh, very often after the surgeries, like I would come back to work, but I'd be driven because I wouldn't have been given permission to drive yet so I'd be dropped off I'd be in the office and because they were back it was a back surgery hip surgery knee surgery I wasn't walking around the office like I always did and so the loyal staff didn't know that I was there all the time and I'd be coming or going and they'd say oh I didn't know you were here well you know yeah I am so it's 
it's one of those. I don't give, I don't think any executive gives their full schedule. Sometimes I'd be away at meetings. And uh, no, I wasn't in the office. I might be at a meeting in St. Charles or in Columbia or something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was not always in the office, but, but I you don't was have working. To be. Yeah. Okay. You know, and it's it's things like that. Even on vacation, mm-hmm. I still you know they know how to find me, and I still check in once a day. I mean, vacation really isn't vacation for right. somebody who runs something, right? So and and that so you make a point of staying in touch mm-hmm. and being available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the perception to I guess some employees are other people but everyone with anyone who called and wanted to get a hold of me got a hold of me now a quick clarification on your office you have about 40 people in your office aren't they all patronage yes they are okay patronage just so people know they're not covered by civil service no and generally they're there because they got connections to somebody right they they have a political tie. And to you somebody. say your office. You're talking about your. I'm talking office. about your, your, your I am office. talking about the recorder at Deeds' office. I, is but, a patronage office. But I imagine office. a lot of the people who are there now were there, you know, before you resigned. I assume. Oh yes. So. I mean, I have. Uh, I think there are t- still uh, two staff members who are there who were there when I came, mm-hmm. and. Um, the members of the staff there are long term mm-hmm. and yes they do know a politician to get an interview mm-hmm. and to take a test mm-hmm. if in fact they don't make it on the interview or the test we'll call the politician back and say this person's not going to work out this is what we need find that person but once the person is hired they're totally on their own. I do want to right. train. We're, we're running a little low on time, right. so I do want to get into the actual election that we're talking about. Yeah, because you're running to get, because under the law that knocked you out, that law was only for a, a term. So you can run and win the office. And back as if I you mentioned want. beforehand, you won every ward in the city, even though you were running against two African American opponents. This was in the primary. We you won go. every African American majority ward. You won all 28. You're now facing off against Jennifer Florida, an older woman who may have all, you know, the money and the political backing, even though she's an independent. I think just based on a basic level, why do you think you should be in this position? And what do you want to do if you manage to get the office back? I, I know that's probably going to precipitate a long answer, but I think that's at the genesis of why you're here. So, um, Hopefully not too long. I mean, I... Everyone knows I love this job. I did not expect to get as deeply involved. How are you going to sell yourself to the public and say, look, I ran this office for 34 years. I want it back. I deserve to get it back. I mean, how are you going to frame that? Well, basically, I'm going to frame it as this is an office that has allowed me to be creative in finding solutions for problems for citizens. I don't know what the future brings, but I, it's it's always a challenge because there's always something new. Uh, there are some 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 things that are in process that I would like to complete, like um, 
the uh, technology has caught up with the needs. And so I just was able, before I left, to purchase the first high-resolution, high-enough-resolution uh, scanner to handle some of the really difficult old records. Um, I had just assigned a team to make sure that was done, and it was in process. Um, I have a full disaster recovery plan, but there are a couple steps more that I'd like to take because no one realizes it until it happens to them, but we realized it during the big flood. FEMA does not help anyone until they've got property record. Okay, but still, okay, you're going to have Florida out there campaigning. You're mm -hmm. going to be campaigning. Do you expect to have radio ads? Do you expect to have TV ads? How are you going to differentiate And, and more importantly, you know, how do you get city of St. Louis residents excited about an, an election for a recorder of deeds? This is probably going to much going to be the only competitive local election this, this, this fall where there are two mm -hmm. candidates that might win. How do you even get people to care about this race, in your opinion? Well, uh, it is difficult <laughs> because the recorder of deeds is not what anybody thinks of as the most exciting thing in the world. I'm unique <laughs> in that. But um, explain more fully what it does and why it's important to you as a citizen, the fact of Usually in politics, experience is not considered to be the best thing. I don't yeah. know why that is. Experience is good elsewhere, but never in politics. Okay, so, but back to the campaign. Back okay, to the campaign. Now, do you expect that it's going to get nasty? Yeah, that was going to be my, that's the reason why I'm bringing up all this this stuff, because I expect it to be used against you. Do mm -hmm. you expect it to be used yeah, against and, you? And Absolutely. And yeah. presumably the mayor will endorse Jennifer Florida in the general. That's. I would she, think so. She has been, so. Okay, what's the backdrop here? I mean, what are you going to have to do to sell yourself, and how concerned are you are that it's going to get pretty nasty? I am concerned that it can get nasty. Uh, it's not something I'm very comfortable with. Um, I stayed positive this time around, and it was effective for me. Um, I hope to stay positive through the whole thing because I, you know, I... I, I it's just not me, and you should never campaign in a way that you're not comfortable with. So, yes, I am going to do uh, some commercials. We'll, we'll probably use Internet first, but they'll be ready for TV if necessary. Um, that hopefully will start next week. Have you week. ever done commercials before? Never. <laughs> but, I, but I would assume like the hand-to-hand the, the -hand combat will be through the mail because a lot of St. Louis City races are kind of fought with mailers. So I expect to see at my doorstep in the 16th Ward plenty of mailers from you and maybe some from, from Jennifer, Florida. And maybe from... The Republican the, the mayor? or something. Well, I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe from the mayor's office. I mean, we're just... Mm -hmm. we're right. Just, we're I just, mean, I... Presume because that is the way it goes. I yes. mean, it's the large cards and first the positive, then the negative against the opponent, and then the supporters on on it and all of that. I am 
I tend to think that's overwhelming. <laughs> Are you concerned? I mean, what's, how has is, how is your relationship with the mayor suffered over all this, or has it? I haven't talked with the mayor since that uh, Wednesday, um, so I'm fine. I understand politics. Um, I presume he is, too. Yeah. He he's been around this block for a long time, but mm-hmm. so she's been around longer. <laughs> I've been around longer, but I mean, it is politics, and politics is a very straight up tough business. Yes, you can expect the worst. You plan for the worst. I'm not sure what the worst would be. Yeah, In 34 it, years. My audits have been just fine, and I view audits as as very positive things and. And that so um, I'm not sure what they can say. The staff of the recorder's office is well-trained. They're cross-trained. I mean, it's – I'm not sure what you can say. I'm sure – I mean, I've seen what some people have said. Mm-hmm. And even though it's untrue, you can say anything. Mm-hmm. And – then the question is, what do you respond to? Right. And then, because if you respond to each and every one of these things, it's kind of like too much. Well, there'll be plenty to respond to in the coming weeks. <laughs> I'm sure there will be. Just a programming note, we will be having Jennifer Florida on in the next couple of weeks, yes. who is running as an independent. But for now, thank you very much for coming into the Lion's Den of the Politically Speaking <laughs> podcast. To, to close us out, you can read all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. You can follow Joe at? Uh, Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. Until next week, so long.